0: Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Konzin, sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Konzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Konzin
1: with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And in our last broadcast, we were talking about pornography, sexual addiction, and the impact that that has on the couple, and about the different things that lead to recovery and healing in a relationship. So we're going to go a little bit more into that specific today on the different ways to really build trust, healing in the process of recovery from betrayal. So this obviously would cross over into when someone's been involved in an affair and any other kind of sexual behaviors that are a betrayal to the marriage bond and when there's been pornography involved and recovering from that. So I wanna start out first with talking about, just a reminder, on the impact it does have on the partner bond, on the marriage when there's been some kind of sexual betrayal. These aren't going to be new words. You could, if this is something you've experienced, you could probably talk about this for a while. However, what couples say to me in my office and even in my uh, work within the married ministry that my husband and I oversee, we hear a lot on how it influences how they feel about their marriage and the, the breaking of trust. And so the words that people use are devastation, betrayal, hurt, they bring up feelings of extreme anger, that they feel that there has been a broken, that their marriage has become broken. And then there's all kinds of emotions that come with that. Fear is a big one. Spouses express a lot of fear. Obviously anger comes up. Suspicion, uh, mistrust is a big one. Also, any kind of betrayals will lead to lower self-esteem often for one or both. For the individual who's committed the betrayal, there's self-esteem issues because there's a lot of loss of their own view of self, um, their reputation and so on. And then for the spouse, there's a lot of um, challenges with self-esteem due to why did they go there instead of to me? What is it about me? Why aren't I those kinds of questions? So self-esteem is a big one. And that can lead to depression. It can lead to, um, you know, more severe cases where I have had individuals share about how it has that it's crossed their mind. Suicidal thoughts have crossed their minds. It's gotten to that point. So it can get where the low self-esteem might already be there before the betrayal has been revealed and that the betrayal just, um, exacerbates that the challenge is already with depression, and so of course, the other big impact that it has is on the relationship itself is the, the, the how much it affects the intimacy, and that doesn't just mean sexual intimacy. any kind of betrayal will affect a touch and affection. it affects how someone feels when their spouse reaches to hold their hand. I was working with someone recently. They had a pretty big conflict, and one spouse reached over to put their hand on the other spouse's hand, and there was a very strong reaction. So even in just regular everyday conflicts, couples have difficulty with should we even touch, um, both during and then definitely after a conflict. Well, when the conflict is a major betrayal in the relationship, touch becomes difficult, You know, can I handle um, my hand being held? Do I want an arm around me? The spouse who's committed the betrayal is like, should I touch them? Should I um, take their hand? You know, so there's questions around touch. So not just sexual intimacy, but overall intimacy in the marriage is affected. Um, It's difficult to just go out and have dinner often, you know, go out on a date, go casually spend time together when, especially when the couple is still in the middle of crises. Even out of crises when the couple is recovering and trust is being rebuilt, these things all come up um, on, on how we relate now in, in rebuilding intimacy. And then as far as anger, which I mentioned, anger will, you know, start out sometimes quite ex- expressed very extremely, but then even over time it'll flood. you know, individuals share with me how when they get reminded, of the betrayal, their anger will flood them. Sadness, hurt, all of that will flood as well, but anger will flood and that can lead to higher conflict in the relationship. The other thing that comes up in the partner relationship is when there's been a sexual betrayal is feelings of inadequacy sexually. Either the person who Uh, got involved in those sexual behaviors due to their own sexual inadequacy, now it's going to be even greater. But then definitely also on the partner's side, that if my partner is involved in pornography, what does that mean about me sexually? What does that mean about my body? Um, If my partner's been involved in an affair, a physical affair, how does that affect how I, you know, are they comparing me to how they performed sexually with that person or how that person, what they did sexually with them? So there are a lot of feelings um, of sexual inadequacy and feeling undesired when there's uh, been any form of sexual betrayal in a relationship. Body image is affected. I'll have partners talk about how it. they might have already had a body image challenge and now they're feeling unattractive. Ugly, worthless. People will use words like weak and stupid. Um, Yeah, all the things attached to what were they seeing in the other person? What was their partner seeing in the other person? What were they seeing in pornography? And what does that mean about their body? Um, The other thing that comes up too is if a partner has been wondering if there's something going on for a long time, whether it's an affair or pornography or something along those lines, um, often I'll have a, uh, their spouse will feel like, what, am I crazy? Was I insane? You know, there's the, all the real questioning about their own intuitive judgment and, and they start to doubt their own ability to catch things. This comes up quite a bit if, if there's a repeated, if the, if the offense, if the betrayal is repeated. And so there's that question of, you know, am I just not able to realize when something's gone wrong? And so there's a real questioning of the self. So that is quite a load right that I just shared there about some of the challenges to the partner bond to the individual to the couple. Let me just share with you some of the specific things. This is a study, a research study that was done on um women who are in a romantic relationship where their partner has been involved in pornography. These are some of the quotes that women have shared. I give these to couples these quotes to really help partners understand the emotional pain that their spouse is experiencing. Often, I'm going to read these quotes, but before I do, often when a partner who has committed the betrayal or has, especially if it's been pornography, because, hey, I didn't have an affair. There was not a person there. Um, I didn't touch anybody. So there can be a feeling of, but I didn't do that, and so how can that cause this much pain, and how can it feel these ways? And so I do give these quotes from this research study to help the partner understand that although there wasn't physical interaction happening, the level of pain and betrayal feels like it's physical. It feels like an affair occurred, a physical affair occurred. And um, so this is what women will share. Uh, One woman said he had sex with pictures rather than be sexual with me, and I felt like I was a part of a harem. So this is a husband who did not commit sexual immorality, so he didn't have sex with someone else, but in her mind, he's having sex with those pictures, and so now she feels like she's in a part of a group of women. One woman said, if I were a healthy, vibrant person that I thought I was, why would he choose some typed words, dirty phone conversations, and masturbation with some stranger. Whew, that's a big one. So it's important to hear that. If I were a healthy, vibrant person, why would he go to this picture and his own hand and these words on a phone? Why? And so it makes the partner question their their own validity as a person, who they are, their own value as a person. One woman said, I felt rejected, worthless, ugly, abandoned, insecure, and not good enough for him. I do want to say with this this is again from the a female's perspective, but this is I could literally take these words and that I've heard those exact words out of the mouth of a husband Uh, whose wife was involved in an affair. So that especially the not good enough, that's a big one. I don't feel good enough for him, for her. Why would she go to that, that man? I must not have been good enough. Why would my husband go to those pictures, to that woman, to that sexual experience, to do that kind of thing? It must mean something about me that I am not good enough. So, yeah, so here's a few others. Some women will say, I feel forgotten in our lovemaking. Another woman will say, I want to be the only one in his mind and heart. In other words, they're saying, are you thinking about other people while we're in bed, while we're engaged sexually? Another woman shared, I began to try to compete with the images. This is super common with pornography, especially that uh, the partners will feel like they have to do those things sexually in order to be interesting, that they have to dress that way, that they have to be that shape, that their body has to be that type, that their breasts have to look like that and so on. Um, So there's that, I feel like I have to compete with those images. So if you're hearing this and you're the wife. And you're saying, yes, I totally 100% have felt these things. And you're really wanting your spouse to hear, these are other people's words. I'm not the only person feeling these things. You may want to have him listen to this. You can also literally go and have him read the chapter, Healing um, from Sexual Betrayals, in my book, The Art of Intimate Marriage, the, the thing you don't want to do, um, if you're listening to this and these are things you feel and you're, you want your partner to hear this, the thing you don't want to do is use these phrases and use them as a weapon. You did this to me. It, the, the greatest thing I encourage spouses to do is appeal. You want to reach into your spouse's heart so that they can understand the pain that you're experiencing because that's when real change happens for couples. So these are just a few. I could I could share quite a bit more. You will find all of these and quite a bit more on my website at com. Why do I bring them up now? Because couples need to understand the emotional impact of betrayal. Spouses, in order to truly take responsibility for what they've done. It helps them to hear even from a third party. So maybe even not from their spouse, that yes, people feel these things when there's been a betrayal, even when it comes into not a physical relationship, but with pornography. Okay. Now I've probably gotten all your hearts racing and yours might have a pit in your stomach. So where do you go from here when you're now sharing these things with your spouse how do you recover after the, you even get to that point of going okay i get it now i'm starting to understand that this is the level of pain that i caused you and you're feeling like your spouse does where do you go from there is usually the biggest question that i have so what i'm going to do is i'm going to take a few minutes just to explain how this broadcast works and then i'm going to come back and we're talk some more about that question where do you go from there um this hopefully has been helpful to you not just this broadcast but we have quite a few others that you can hear all the broadcasts on my website they're all podcasted there on the art of intimate marriage you can go back and listen to all of them there's a few things you can see on that on the website also you can have, there's a link to the, my book the art of intimate marriage there is a blog there there are all kinds of other recordings video and audio as well there's there's a if if this is something that's really benefiting you, what you're listening to, or if you feel like other people would benefit, this is a listener supported ministry. And so we need your support. Please go on to the website. There is a link there where you can give your financial support, where you can contribute. And that would allow us to stay on the air longer, help more people, give you more material to help your marriages. So go on to the website. See what else is there. You can also, if you've got questions for me, you can send them straight to me on my email. And it's my name, jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. So no periods, dashes, nothing, just jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. Send me the questions. That um, allows me to tailor the broadcasts to the needs of the people listening. So let's go ahead and get back to how do we go about really reaching, building trust, reaching healing after this uh, either a betrayal, and especially today we're talking about the use of pornography. Well, Gal, how do you talk about it? Um, First of all, how do you talk about when it first happens? And I I addressed that a a couple broadcasts that I always recommend that the individual, the partner who has been involved in the betrayal, that they make that decision to be 100% open with everything. For the partner asking the questions, you want to be aware that you um, are now going to have possible pictures in your mind. So you want to watch the type of questions you want answered, because if you if, if the answers that your spouse gives you puts pictures in your mind, it may not be helpful to your process of recovery. And so, first of all, full openness. Always remembering as a spouse, listening to their spouse's openness, remembering your role. I love 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul reminds us that we are a messenger of reconciliation. What's really challenging for a spouse when they feel betrayed is to be that messenger of reconciliation, because that takes a really strong person to step out of that feeling of betrayal and say, God can use me now to reconcile my spouse to God. But boy, that makes a difference. When you keep your eyes on your spouse's relationship with God, on their renewal of their relationship with God, it really makes a difference in how you respond to the betrayals. So remember, you're a messenger of reconciliation. If you need to pray through that scripture, do that in 2 Corinthians 5, that can make a big difference to how you ask the questions and what you do with the information afterwards and what you ask them to do with it, how you ask them to get more support. So how do you have honest conversation about when your spouse, okay, now they've confessed to you that they're doing pornography or that maybe they're involved in a support group, they should be. Maybe they've got a mentor, they should, in case you're listening and that's you, go get that support. So then how do you have the conversation? Well, when you look at James 1, verse 13, it talks about how when someone has a desire, an evil desire, then they are enticed and pulled away. They are enticed and drawn away, and then it it goes into sin and gives birth to death. What we often don't talk about is the enticement part, the drawing. What is drawing that person? So one of the difficult things for partners to talk about is... When my spouse, and this isn't just a husband, there are women, I, I have people in my office who, where it's the wife who's doing pornography and the spouse is going, why are you doing it? Well, how do you talk about that? How do you talk about what draws you to that? Why in the world? Because the spouse often feels like, why in the world would you do that when you've got me here? What is the pull and why do you keep going back to it when, you know, this is, our relationships going well and what is the pull? So how to have that honest conversation is first of all, to figure out what's enticing. Um, it's kind of difficult for partners to even hear this. You may not be ready to hear this. And if you're not, then that may be a conversation that they have with a close friend, that your partner who has committed to the betrayal, they have it with their supportive relationships. So if that's you, if you're the one in use, whose your background is in pornography, it is vital in your process of recovery that you have somebody that you're talking to about what the pulls are. Why? Because like any sin, we sin because we get something out of it. There's something that we like or something that it does for us. It's vital to understand what does that pornography do for you? What's the pull? You know, for some people, it lifts them out of negative feelings because it creates a feeling of excitement. For some people, it makes them feel more sexually adequate because they um, can arouse themselves while looking at it. For some people, they're just they're in a habit of using it and they don't really feel like they have any emotional reasons. Other people will use pornography because it's a stress reliever. Their anxiety gets high and that's how they deal with it. Other people use pornography because they're bored. So. Why do you use it? What's the pull? What's it relieve? What is it? There's two different areas that pornography, like any addiction, will get used for either for satiation, which means it lowers um, anxiety and other negative feelings, or for excitation, which means it makes things more exciting. So, Then now that you have discovered why and what the various reasons might be for why you use pornography, how do you talk about that as a couple? Well, your spouse, if you're the they might not be ready to hear it yet, but if they are, that may be quite a part of the healing. That I when I'm stressed, I therefore do X, Y, and Z and so this is now my plan when I get stressed. So this is the next thing I do with couples. Okay, now that we've identified the pulls, what do we do with them? And I literally put together an action plan per couple that when I feel stressed, I'm going to call my, uh, my mentor. I'm going to uh, go for a walk. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to share with my spouse. Um, what's going on. So having what I call an action plan, now that you've identified what the pull is and your spouse is aware of your pulls. Now you share with your spouse, what your plan is. Now, remember spouses, if, if, if you, if, if you have a partner who is trying to recover from the use of pornography, remember that it is their job to run their own program, not yours. Um, they have to go talk with the their their mentor. They need to go work their program and go to support groups. Um, however, how do you guys talk about the process of recovery? Well, that's vital. I, I do give couples some hmm, just simple kind of starter sentences. I call them prompts. To how so? Let me let me read one to you. What would you tell me about what's helping you in your process of recovery? It's amazing how when a when a couple just has that one little sentence just laid before them, where the spouse asks, "So tell me, you know what helps you in your process of recovery?" and the spouse answers, and that's it. That's the conversation. That's a what I would call a healing conversation. That it's okay to talk about the process of recovery. What is something that you learned? in your group last night. Now, what would actually be a better way of dealing with this is that the person in recovery goes to their spouse and says, Hey, (laughs) um, I learned some really helpful things in my recovery group last night. I want to share them with you. These would be healing conversations to somebody who, to a couple who is in the midst of recovering from any kind of addiction, actually, but Specific to sexual addiction, that can be very, very helpful. So, again, if you are interested in these specific um, sentences, these prompts, you can go on. I have another website. It's called the Ransomed Journey. R A N S O M E D Journey. The Ransomed Journey, and you'll find all of these conversations there, or many of them, and. I want to be clear, this is actually straight out of the work of Robert Navarra, who works with the Gottman Institute up in Seattle. And he does couple recovery um, uh, from a developmental approach. And so I'm very grateful for for recently being able to um, do some work with him on uh, some further understanding of ways to help couples communicate around recovery. So go look up that on my website if you're looking for more. Okay, so let's say you've now had some conversation about the pulls. Now you're having some conversations about how recovery is going. How about the partner? There may be some ways that um, what's happened between you has affected your body image, which I spoke about earlier. Talk about that. And then the partner who's who's committed the betrayal. Listen, one of the things that (laughs) spouses uh, often say is, but I, what I, I do think you're beautiful. I think you have a great body. That's not what your spouse is needing to hear. When they first tell you that they're feeling like their body Um, that they're feeling negative things about their body, because you've been viewing pornography, don't reassure them, tell them, ah, so my use of pornography has made you feel like your body's unattractive. It's made you wonder if I'm comparing your body to others. So first, validate what you're hearing. Don't reassure it. That's, that's later first tell her what you him what you hear either your husband or your wife who it's ever coming to you sharing with you about low um, view of their body because of the betrayal, because of the pornography. tell them what you heard validate it Well it makes sense. I did some things that were very damaging, very harmful to our relationship. I looked at things that were very wrong and inappropriate. It makes sense that that could make you. Feel like your body is unattractive and that I might think your body's unattractive and it makes you feel and it makes you wonder. That makes sense. Validate what they're saying. Own the responsibility that you have for creating that challenge. And then then you can ask if reassurance is helpful or if an apology is helpful. Often what a partner needs to hear is, I am so sorry that the choices that I made make you wonder that about whether you are attractive, about whether I find you, I'm so sorry. And they might need some reassurance. I can understand. You might think I compare you. I I do want you to know I find you very attractive. So that would be the reassurance, but that's not the first thing generally that you'll want to say. So I've kind of just given you a taster of some ways to have healing conversations. Go on my website. You're going to get a lot more information there. Go uh, pick up The Art of Intimate Marriage. You'll get more information there. Send me an email. Let me know how it's going. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzen with The Art of Intimate Marriage.
0: Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now let's be real, this is not a typical radio program and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Konzin to address here on air, email her at Jenniferkanzen at yahoo.com, Kanzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. TO GIVE OR TO GET MORE INFORMATION ABOUT THE MINISTRY, DR. Kansen's CENTER FOR SEXUALITY IN SAN DIEGO, OR TO GET MORE RESOURCES FOR IMPROVING INTIMACY IN MARRIAGE, VISIT US ON THE WEB AT THEARTOFINTIMATEMARRIAGE.COM. AND FOR MORE ON EXPERIENCING THE MARRIAGE GOD DESIGNED, JOIN US THIS SAME TIME NEXT WEEK FOR THE ART OF INTIMATE MARRIAGE.